Well, there were uh, several wars that went on during the 80s. Come on. Come on. I'm on. Hello. There are several wars that went on in the 1980s, but the one that hit home the most was not the war between U.S. and Russia, the Cold War. That wasn't the worst. It wasn't even the soda wars between Coke and Pepsi. The biggest war that went on in the 80s was the owner against the VCR. It was the stinking, blinking clock. Do you remember that? For those of you who grew up in the 80s when, we, when VHS beat Beta out and all of a sudden people started getting VCRs, the first one we're on now, the first one we got in our house was about a foot tall and about three foot wide and it opened up and you would slide that in. Well, a few years later, the next model we had came with a clock. But like every other VCR owner, no one knew how to set the clock. And by the time that you figured it out, the electricity would go off and you would have forgotten and you would have to go through this manual figuring out how that would stop blinking 12 o'clock all day long. But we fixed it in our family. It was a simple fix. Electric tape. It's amazing if you just put that over, all of a sudden you don't see that light. We're far moved away from VCRs. In fact, some of you probably don't even know what a VHS tape looks like. Now we're in the age of DVR, or some call it TiVo. It's where it's very simple. We don't have to go through this long list to record something. We just push a button and it records. And the great thing about that is, right, is that you can watch a show faster than you used to. I don't watch anything in live TV because I get to skip through. Well, as we are reading through the story, this is kind of like DVR, okay? Reading the Bible is in real time. It's live. It's one word at a time. Right here, the story, this is more like 15 times faster. Have you ever watched a show in 15 times faster? You can kind of make out what's going on. You can watch a football game going, oh, whether well, you can see them go downfield. Oh, they scored. Okay, that goes pretty fast. So this is what I want to encourage you to do. First off, I'm going to say read this. Go to this. But in addition, this is a great tool because you get to go a little bit faster. Now on our sermons, we have even a, a, a lesser amount of time. So we're doing it in like 300x. Okay, 300 times faster. So it's just going bam, 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 real fast. And so oftentimes I get up here and I kind of complain about, uh, we don't get the, all the story because we're having to go through so fast. This week, I'm not going to say that. Because something really beautiful happens when we watch the story in 300 times speed. Okay, so I want you to pay attention to that. If you have your stories and you've been reading it, you know that the title of this chapter, and it's on here, Standing Tall and Falling Hard. Who is that referring to? Does anybody know? Saul. That's King Saul that we're going to later learn about. But something greater happens in this that you miss if, if you read it slow. This is a good one where if you read it fast, you see this this reoccurring theme happened over and over again. So if, if I would get to title this chapter, I would call it, Your Eyes Deceive You. 
And I think that's something that really is going to play out in our lives. And so I want to take just a few minutes. We're going to open up the story of chapter 10 of the story. And we're going to be introduced to a guy named Elkanah who had a couple of wives. Does anybody remember their names? Hannah, and anybody can pronounce the other wife's name? Every time I read it, I just call her Penny. Because I've tried, it, it's Peninnah. Peninnah. Penny is what her name is. And Penny has children. Hannah does not. We have Hannah, the faithful one, the barren one. We have Penny, the instigator and the antagonist. And the story opens up that Hannah is without child and she has just got through eating and drinking. That's what the Bible says and so we don't know what it means by that. And certainly Eli doesn't know what that actually means. Because after they get through, she goes into the house of the Lord and she begins to pray. And she prays fervently that God would allow her to have a child. Eli is sitting in the back, he's watching on and he sees her. And she looks like she's in great distress. And in her mind, she's thinking these thoughts as she prays. And her lips are moving, but nothing is coming out. And so, do do you remember what Eli does? He confronts her. What does he say? Put away your drink! And so I want you to hear what she has to say about this. And if you have your story with you, you can join me. We're just going to read page 130. It's at the very top. We're going to read about half a page worth. Listen to this. It's a great story. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping Bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. And so here we have, as the first story begins to unfold, what's wrong? Eli is not seeing what's really happening. Even though he's a priest, even though he's a great priest, he sees something, but it doesn't translate. He only sees part of it and accuses this woman who desperately is praying to the Lord... As a drunk. His eyes have deceived him and he's not really seeing what's going on. Well, we're going to kind of fast forward a little bit here. God answers the prayer 
of Hannah. Hannah has a child. She has a baby. She's been vindicated. She, she names the child, the Lord hears, which is pronounced Samuel. And as Samuel is getting a little bit older, he hadn't yet been weaned, Hannah goes to her husband and says, hey, here's the vow that I made. And you know what his response was? Do what seems best to you. And she remains faithful just as God was faithful. And she gives her child Samuel back to Eli. Who would have thought that as she's in there and she's praying this prayer, that Eli comes and kind of reprimands her. And in the end he says, hey, whatever you prayed for, may God will give it to you. Who would have thought that he would be the benefactor of her prayer? And yet this woman, who had been scolded by the priest for drinking, now brings her child to him and says, I prayed for a child and God gave it to me, and so now I'm giving him to you. And Eli begins raising up Samuel. Your eyes deceive you. Because here we have Samuel a little older And it's bedtime. Eli's laying down. Samuel's laying down. And all of a sudden, he hears this voice. And he assumes that it must be Eli who's calling him. So he jumps up, he runs him, and he says, Here am I, what do you want? And what does Samuel say? I mean, what does Eli say? I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Has that ever happened to you parents? (laughs) Have you ever had your kids come up? Did you want me? For, no, I didn't go back to bed. You're hearing things. And so Samuel goes back to bed. He hears it again. He runs in there. Here I am. What do you want? And Samuel says the second time. Eli says the second time. Samuel, go back to bed. It's not me calling you. A third time it happens. And finally, the light comes on. And Eli says, Samuel, it's the Lord talking to you. When you hear it again, say, here I am, I am listening to you. And so here we have again, this time it actually says, the text says that the Lord came to him and said, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel heard. But his eyes had deceived him. Are we catching on? Here's a reoccurring theme. He wasn't sure what was going on. And this is where it gets really crazy. When the Lord speaks to him, he says, Hey, by the way, here's what I want you to know. Eli's kids are really, really bad. Hophni and Phinehas. And because of them, Eli will be judged for his lack of teaching them. And he's not going to inherit a reward. He says, I'm judging them. Can you imagine that being Samuel? Samuel, I don't know that he sleeps. It says he lays there. I don't know that he got any sleep that night. Because when he got up the next morning, at the breakfast table, Eli says, Hey, tell me what the Lord said. And, and don't you leave anything out. Far be it from you not to tell me exactly what happens. Right? And so Samuel says, God's really mad at you for the way your, your sons, Hophni and Phinehas, have been. And because of that, 
there's going to be great turmoil. Okay, hit the DVR button because we're fast forwarding again. Because here we go, right again, we have the Israelites are still in trouble. Your eyes deceive you. They're fighting the Philistines. The Philistines win the battle, kill 4,000 Israelites. Israelites come back and they regroup and they say, what are we going to do? And they decide, here's what we're going to do. I got an idea. Let's go get the Ark of the Covenant. We'll bring it in and then we'll win the battle. And so that's what they do. They go to Shiloh. They go get the Ark. They bring it back in and they bring it up to the, the battlefront. And guess who's standing next to the Ark? Hophni and Phinehas. And as the ark enters in, all the Israelites start screaming like this victory chain. Like, we've won! We've got the ark! God is with us! We can't lose! The Philistines hear this and they say, what's going on? They said, the gods are there. And they go, we know about the God of Israel. We're in big trouble. They said, they actually said, oh no, this has never happened before. What do we do? And so they kind of give a rally cry like, we still have to fight. We got to go out there. And so what happens? What do you expect? What do you suppose? What do you think would happen? Israelite put up a victory shout. The Philistines trembled. But they grabbed their weapons. Went to battle. One captured ark. Two dead priests. And 32,000 fallen Israelites later, the dust settles. Did you miss something here? Did something not happen quite right? What happens when God is on your side? You win. Your eyes deceive you. You see, they had made this leap. If the ark is here, if we drag out the ark, it is our, our good luck coin. It's our magic lamp that we can rub and God will come out and boom, kill everybody around and we can just sit there and go, yay! I mean, it's happened before, right? Because they weren't using faith. They weren't concerned about God and honoring Him. They were about using him to win. They thought, if I can see the ark, then God is here. And God says, don't let your eyes deceive you. Just the same as it had been in that temple years ago with Samuel hearing his voice. Just as it had been years ago as it was with Hannah praying for a child their eyes had deceived them. And so it had on the battlefield. They were so consumed with seeing God that they missed out on Him actually being there. They brought the ark, but they forgot to invite God. Your eyes deceive you. Which, just a side note, by the way, the Philistines, they take back the ark and recognize that it is an important, powerful uh, figure, even though it hadn't, in fact, helped Israel win. And they put it in their temple of Dagon. And the next day, the statue of Dagon had crumbled and fallen down. And they're like, well, this can't be good. Seven months of tumors. And they said, you know what? 
we really don't want this ark as much as we thought. And they stamp a return to sender. It went back to the Israelites. And for 20 years, it stayed on the, the border town because nobody, didn't, nobody knew what to do with it. They were confused. Their eyes deceived them. Because what did they say after this? They went to Samuel, the judge the prophet, the mediator between them and God. And they said, you know what we need? We need a king. If we have a king like everybody else, there will be, listen to this, there will be someone who will go before us and they will fight in our battles and we won't lose. And I just want to say, are you crazy? Who do you think went before you? Who do you think fought your battles? Go back and read. Did you forget? Look through the life of Moses. God continually, physically went before them in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. God was there and it wasn't enough. All the things that God had done as Joshua had led them through the land, they had conquered all these people. One word. Jericho. Have you forgotten? Do you remember what your fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers did? As they went around, they marched around the city once a day for six days and seven times on the seventh day the walls came in and boom! Do you remember Ai? Do you remember all these battles over and over again? The Lord fought for you. Do you remember the words of Moses when he says, Just stand still. The Lord will fight for you. Exodus 14, 14. They forgot. They said, we can't see God. So we need someone who's going to lead us. And through this amazing story and these miracles over and over again, Samuel comes in contact with Saul, who Saul pulls the old Gideon trick. When he says, hey, you're the one, he says, me, I'm, I'm the smallest of my whole group and I'm the least of the clan. There's no way. And they bring him all. He says, you're going to be the one. And before the whole nation, as Saul is, is going to be the one chosen, right? They go down and they cast lots and it, it ultimately comes down to where it's going to be Saul. And they say, where is he? I don't, I don't, I don't see. Where's Saul? Where is Saul? He's hiding in the supplies. I don't want to be king. I can't do this. Which is probably the, the best attitude to have. But it's not going to take long. A couple victories and Saul, you know, he gives glory to God. But, but then things start to change. And his eyes deceive him. And before long, Saul's thinking how great he is. Do your eyes deceive you? Are you so desperately wanting to see God work in the way you think He should work that when He does work, you can't really recognize Him because that's not what you're looking for? I think sometimes 
oftentimes, at least for me, I get so caught up in wanting to, to see God and to validate that He's here. I want to prove to other people, see, God's right here. That when He does work powerfully, I'm not paying attention. And my eyes deceive me. I want to do something that I, I've, I've done many times with youth. I've, I've never done it with a group of adults, but... Um, I'm preaching faster than I thought, and I got through my summary, so I, I want to take a few minutes and do something a little bit different. Zach, can you come up here, bud? He doesn't know he's coming, and I need Brett. Uh, actually, you stay there. I'll, I'll get you a second. How are you, bud? Are you doing good? You guess you're doing good? You're doing good now, maybe not in a few minutes. Have, do you know what's about to happen? Okay, good. Jennifer, will you help me out? I'm going to have my wife, you hang right there. I want you, you're going to take this and you're going to go hold the hang on to this and you're going to go back to my wife and y'all are going to go out and go way, way far away. Somewhere where you can't hear me. Uh, you can go in the, the cry room, just make sure the microphone's turned down. Make sure he can't hear me. I hope he has a good insurance plan. This is really one of my favorite things to do. I I got to be a part of this about uh, 30 years ago. I witnessed this at a a camp retreat, and I have used this many times, and I still uh, love to do it. So I'm going to need a couple of of strong guys, Brett and Ryan. Will you you come up and help me? This is really going to be quite simple. I think you you might enjoy this, and it's really going to tie in in just a minute. Um... I'm trying to think the best, probably right here is the best place. This is a, um, this is a really old um, skateboard that I got from DA before they made wheels. <laughs> That's going to cost me, isn't it? I borrowed it. I'll put it back in your garage when we're done. Okay. So uh, this is just a piece of wood. Um, and what we're going to do is we've taken Zach back there, uh, and we're going to blindfold him, and he's going to come back out, and he's going to get escorted by the, the beautiful bride of mine, and he's going to come up here, and we're going to put him up on this board. He's going to be blindfolded, can't see anything. And I'm going to have these two strong guys. Yep, yep. Not so much. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I want you all to stand on either side of this board. And what we're going to do is, I'm going to have them lift the board about this high off the ground. Okay? Each one of you, you're going to lift it about that high off the ground. He's blindfolded. He's going to have his hand on my shoulder, right? He can't see a thing. He's going to feel the board going below him, right? And I'm going to do this. Okay? So, what is he going to assume? He's going to think that he's going up. So, but I need your help. Because you have to convince him... That he really is high off the ground. And so you might want to, you know, ooh, ah, a shriek might be okay. I, we're going somewhere with this, so, so don't lose us on this. I, I really think you're going to find something. Jennifer, can you hear me? Jennifer, can you hear me? Jennifer Crumb, come to the front, please. Can, is she coming? Okay. So. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, good. I would be too. <laughs> hey, we've been friends for a long time, right? Yeah. Are you scared? 
you know how hard it was to get an alligator in this auditorium? <laughs> that was a joke. I, there's no alligator. But I do need to... Have you ever broken a bone before? No. no. The answer is not yet. And not yet. Okay, here's what, there's a board in front of you, and I want you to step on it. Just take one little... I'm going to help you up. Just let, There you go. There you go. Now set it down. Now put the other, other foot on. You doing okay? Okay. You nervous yet? Okay, so uh, let me just ask you this, though. Do you trust me? Kind of. Okay, I need you to put your hands down for a second. Look straight ahead. I want <laughs> he can't see a thing. <laughs> okay, so here's what we're going to do. We are going to see how high we can lift you off the ground. <laughs> it's okay, you can do this. You've got to put your feet up here. Can you stand up there? Okay, just here, trust me. Here's what we're going to do. Put your hand right here. So I'm going to hold on, okay? You ready? Okay, here we go. One, two, three, go. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, no, 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 no. Watch out, watch out. No. Oh, that was terrible. Okay, let's give a hand to our strong guys. Okay, okay, come back. You're up here again. Actually, I want to keep you all up. Will you all stay up here for just a second? Turn back around. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. How high were you? I don't know. Okay, let me ask you. How high did you think you were? Up here. Up here, yeah. Were you scared? Yes. Yeah, a little bit. You want to know how I know you were scared? Because you had like this Vulcan death grip on me. I thought I was just going to pass that on you. But here, I want, keep your blindfold down. Put your hand on me again, and let's show them what we actually did. You ready for this? Okay, you watching? Here we go. You ready? Are you going higher? Are you going higher? Are you scared yet? Jump off! Jump off! You can... Oh, okay. Very good. Thank you, guys. Oh, no. You're staying up here. You're not done. Okay, go ahead and stand up on this. Don't break DA's skateboard. He'd be upset. Okay, I want to ask you a few questions. Um, was it really scary? Why, why were you scared? Because you were going, whoa, 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 he said he was scared because he was going high. Were you? You thought that you were. Why did you think you were? Because you had a blindfold on and because you couldn't see. Okay, thank you very much, bud. I, I owe you a lunch. I'm sorry if I just took three years off your life. You know what? There, there we go. Okay, there we go. Um, okay, so I want to talk about this because I really think the whole chapter is, is kind of like the Israelites standing up here. And, and what's the problem with the Israelites? They can't see. Okay? They have a big, big problem. They can't see. At least not what they think they're supposed to see. They think they're supposed to be able to see God, but because they can't, they want to manufacture a leader who's going to lead them. In that case, it would have been Saul. And Saul, well, he, he wasn't the best leader. And I don't want to jump too far ahead, but we're going to get to David, and we're going to get to his son Solomon, and they're going to have some issues too. And they keep looking for someone to lead them because they can't see God. And because they can't, they're really really scared. And they're not living by faith. 
They're saying, okay, God, I'll follow you, but, but I need you to do something for me. I, I need you to give us a leader so that we can be like everybody else. I don't, I, about once every three or four months, I have the dream. I, I'm not like Joseph. I hope I don't end up in a well, but I, I have these dreams and, and the dream is almost always about the same. The world is coming to an end. And I wake up, bolt upright, and scream. That's, that's what I've done for probably eight or ten years. I can't even tell you when it started. And Jennifer knows what to do now. The first time, she didn't. The first time, she nearly knocked me out. But every time after that, she said, you're just having a dream. Go back to bed. And I don't know, I don't know if it's, it's bad food or whatever, but every once in a while I get it. And I got one last night, but this was like no other one I had ever had before. I don't know if it was two different dreams. I don't know if it was one, but the first dream started off, I was riding in a vehicle with my father-in-law and we were going somewhere. And I don't remember anything about the story except that we were in the car and I don't remember anything about it. But then I had this second dream. And the second dream was this. Everything was pitch black. And I can't remember if it was a dream or honestly if I just hadn't been getting enough sleep because that's one of the things that triggers it. Because literally my mind woke up and I knew what was going on. It was black. I couldn't, I couldn't see anything and I couldn't wake up. It was the most horrifying dream. And for 30 seconds, I kept telling myself, wake up, wake up. And I remembered the previous dream and said, we must have had an accident. I'm in a coma and I can't wake up. And I need to wake up. Just wake up. Doug, move your feet. And I tried everything I could. And I was scared to death. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't see a thing. True story. It actually happened to me. I, this happened last night. I was scared to death. Kept saying, Doug, just wake up, wake up. You've got to wake up. Move, try to wake up. And I couldn't. And finally, I just kind of sat still for a second. And I just said, there's nothing left to do. I just need to start praying. I, did, I mean, I, was, I said, I, I don't know what to do. And I just prayed, I prayed, God, whatever's going on, just don't leave me. And I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but in my mind I had conjured this up and within a, a minute, all of a sudden I woke up and I could see, I could move and all, the, all of a sudden things seemed a little bit back to normal again, right? And I'm, I'm not trying to put anything onto that dream except for this. I'm going to be honest with you, I was scared to death because I couldn't see. Now how many of us have that same feeling in our lives when we can't see, we don't know where God is, and we know He should be around here, but He's not doing what we think He should do. So give us a sign, give us a person, give us something that tells us, God, you've got to be here. I'm scared and I'm alone and I'm worried. Just like the Israelites who we say, shame on you. 
Because God had revealed himself in so many powerful ways and they still said, but we can't see you. You've got to show up. And just in the same way that their eyes deceive them, our eyes can deceive us. It would be years later that Jesus would live and be crucified and he would be resurrected. And they would all stand around in this room and talk about it. And Thomas would say, but I haven't seen him. And finally Jesus shows up to Thomas. And he says to him, he shows him the handprints and he says, you believe because you see. But blessed are those who believe and never see. That is a blessing that Jesus has called down upon each one of you. Because you believe even when you don't see. God is with us. And as I have reminded many teenagers after doing this little illustration, even when you feel like you're a thousand miles off the ground and you're teetering and you don't know what to do, even when you think you can't see or feel God, He's right there. As we begin this new month, I want to encourage you. Remember that we have a God who sent His Son Jesus. And His Son Jesus lived and He died and He rose and He went up, but He brought His Spirit back And God is here. Don't let your eyes deceive you. God is here. As you go about this week, don't forget, God is here. If you're struggling in your life and you're wondering if He would just show me a sign, let me tell you, God is here. God is here. If there's any way we can help you this morning, please come as we stand and sing.